Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline, you're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Good afternoon, everyone. We have a great show for you today uh, featuring Mr. Kevin Phillips. He's the owner of three restaurants currently and soon to be a fourth restaurant in Monterey and Pacific Grove. The first is The Whaling Station, um, and you can find out more there at thewhalingstation.com. He also owns Abalonetti's, that's on Fisherman's Wharf in Monterey, and you can learn more there at abalonetti.com. And of course, The Beach House at Lover's Point in Pacific Grove, and you can learn more about that restaurant at beachhousepg.com. But before we begin, let me remind you that I'm Paul Wyant, owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. At Express, we can help you find great staff for your business. So give us a call today, 831-920-1230. Again, that's 831-920-1230. Kevin, welcome to the program. Always great to have you on. Uh, my first question, of course, is about the Rockfish Harbor Grill at the end of Fisherman's Wharf. When I know you were last time we spoke, you were going to move that door, the front door, 12 feet to the left, and it was going before the Coastal Commission. Uh, tell us what's the latest on uh, on the Rockfish Harbor Grill. I'll tell you the, the, the final chapter to that, and I'm, I'm almost wished I hadn't received the letter I received from the Coastal Commission. After six weeks of waiting for that, we thought we were getting a waiver. Instead, we got a letter from the commission saying that it wasn't anything they needed to consider. So, uh, so six it, weeks the whole time was just summer. wasted. It was self-imposed kind of. Com- completely. <laughs> six weeks of summer. I mean, I mean, it's bad enough to lose six weeks in, uh, you know, in the wintertime, but six weeks of summer, we, we're behind. So, But uh, that's behind us. Uh, we're wrapping up construction this week. Uh, tomorrow, a couple big things happen. Uh, the furniture is due to arrive. So next week, we'll be in preparation mode. To actually get open. So when when will we when will the ribbon get cut and when do you think you'll fir- serve the uh, the first plate of uh, you know your signature dish? Well, like everything else, it's a it's a it's a moving moving target. Uh, when when we when we get the restaurant back, which I'm assuming is next week, uh, do a final cleaning and tune up of the kitchen, then we start bringing our people back. And as we sit here today, we don't know what that looks like. Uh, we've been closed for almost 17 months, although a lot of the people have said they want to come back. It's a matter of actually getting them back. So uh, we have we have a good uh, structure in place for the kitchen where we have a chef and two strong sous chefs. And those guys are the they're the guides to getting everything done the way we like to have it done. And it's just a matter of what kind of support we're going to get uh, within the rest of the framework all the way down to uh, you know every position of the kitchen. So what we're likely going to do is open the bar, open a section of the dining room and do a, a partial opening and then uh, grow as we acquire more staff. Now, fam- famously this week, um, you know, came out in the news, well, last week and this week, that scales, the ca- the town, the city of Monterey was raising the rent. Uh, Hans Ulsler, the uh, city manager of uh, Monterey, is on the record as saying he thought it was a fair deal. Uh, they did not. And so the negotiations broke down and scales closed. A couple questions. Are you going to be able to absorb some of that staff into your restaurants? How is that going to affect the restaurant ecosystem on the wharf? And uh, just overall, your thoughts, did you experience any difficulty with uh, with uh, lease payments or rent negotiations? 
No, fortunately, our leases at Evelyn Eddy uh, and Fish Fish House on the Wharf uh, go through 2041. So uh, there are there are different periods of negotiation within that time frames, but the leases are in place for another 20 years. We we knew I knew that the um, the lease uh, on that building was going to expire this summer. I didn't know what the date was. I hadn't heard anything about the pace of negotiations between the Sheikh brothers and the, and the city. So the news came out rather suddenly to everybody uh, last week. Um, I'm, I'm surprised as I know he was able to negotiate a new lease for the grotto at terms that he agreed to. But I think, I think a restaurant like Scales is a very, very difficult situation uh, because it's not what it was five years ago, uh, much less 10 years ago. Uh, restu- that's, that's the largest restaurant in, in Monterey. I'm not sure a lot of people realize that. It's nearly 24,000 square feet, all told. And to staff it, I think he said he had 80 employees. Uh, it's pretty daunting. Uh, Pebble Beach Company has been trying, trying to staff, and now they've got a full-page ad looking for employees for uh, Concourse. Well, I don't know anybody that's not struggling to find employees. So that's, that's, a, that's a big operation to run in a seasonal uh, situation. So I, I think that considered a lease that might have been uh, appealing a few years ago, it's very different now. If you look at uh, the Cane Row situation, you know, there's, there's vacancies, uh, a lot of notable vacancies like Ken Row Brain Company and Bluefin Billiards, which are large places that I just think it's going to be very tough to see anybody wanting to take those on just with the employee situation alone. As far as the rest, you know, the employees, I think, I, I think that they absorb most of the staff at the Fish Hopper and the Grotto. Uh, we didn't see anybody coming looking for work with us. Uh, and, I, and from what I've heard, that's been the case mostly on the work. What we did get was a massive spike in business. You know, the uh, scales, one of the keys of their operation was their fast fast food service uh, on the wharf where they did fish and chips and calamari and chowder to go. Big, very appealing looking place, large, uh, did a lot of business. And the only other place that did that before scales was Abilene, our little cafe next to Abilenetti, where we've done that for decades. So when they opened it in 2014, it really took a big chunk out of our, our business. And we were doing fine, but not like before. Well, we got absolutely hammered this week because we're really the only ones doing that that style of service. Um, so we had to we had to adjust uh, for that. It is it is interesting, and your perspective is always uh, welcome because some restaurants, like there was a yogurt place by the aquarium that you would think would do well with the traffic <laughs> in and out of the uh, aquarium. It went out of business. It was like a Pinkberry or a TC. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I, I know the I knew the guy that set those up. There was two of them. He had one on the Monterey also, and he was so excited. When I, I before he opened them, he said he'd been in LA and he saw this this concept and this pinkberry was so popular that the locals called it crackberry because nobody could ever get enough of it. And he had this 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 place next to the aquarium and this place in Monterey, and no, it didn't it didn't work. Uh, when Liberty Fish turned over at Fishman's Wharf, uh, the people came in and they had this idea to do breakfast, lunch, and dinner and crepes and so on. It didn't work, so then they changed the concept to specializing in burgers. It also didn't work. So then they turned it over to doing, all this happened within just a few months. Then they did uh, fish, chips, calamari, and chowder. But the whole front of the building's open, so people wouldn't go there in there at night. So now it's a sock shop and ice cream. So, you know, a lot of people think you just open your door in Canada or you open your door on the wharf and you're going to, and you you can't miss. It's just not true. It's fascinating, the ones that make it and the ones that don't, because uh, 
I, you know, like Alvarado is, you know, that's a microcosm, which end of Alvarado street you're on is bizarre, but you take, for example, dust bowl, that building right there is such a, such a great location was, was kind of not doing a whole lot of business before dust bowl. And then dust bowl comes in and it might be the busiest uh, restaurant slash brew pub in, you know, in that area. It's certainly busier than the Sapporo building and stuff. It's just, what do you, so I, with that in mind, because you just watch things turn over and you just see something go from nothing to something, what do you think could go into the scale space? Is the city maybe going to split it? Or what do you see going in there that could be a real successful operation? Do you see maybe instead of food and beverage, maybe some kind of an entertainment thing? There's been speculation um, before on the Warp, mainly about the, the Warp Theater building. That's a whole nother story um and what what it could become in entertainment was was discussed uh somebody told me they thought that they should turn it into another version of like the 700 building on Kenro. that's the building between uh slime mcflies and the fish shop where there's all these different shops inside yeah. there that's like bubba the gums with that, there? With, is that that's bubba gums uh, it's next it's, it's next to it yeah mm-hmm. but whoever would do that would have to come in and do all the improvements well the city of monterey i don't see the city of monterey doing that um so who's going to do it it, it was interesting to me about about the, that property uh, was, of course, my pro- my my partner Jim Gilbert was there for 35 years uh, prior to the shakes taking it. His lease expired and he let it go. He didn't want to continue. Uh, but the the, on- the only people that were ever interested were, in fact, the only people <laughs> that were ever interested in it. Which was was uh, initially Jim Gilbert. He ran his course. Uh, the Shake family for always had designs on it. Uh, another another a guy that, that uh, leased from Jim Gilbert, uh, Dennis Yoshi, who has uh, 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 Crab Louis. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Crabby Jims. Uh, he he tried to get a lease there, and so now it's kind of run its course of who's interested. Another good example is uh, when Tony Rappa was was trying to sell Rappas. He hired a firm to target market it to companies that had waterfront properties on both coasts, and he got a total of zero offers. And the only one that, that, that was interested in buying it was Jim Gilbert. So it, it's a little distorted, like I said before, what people think of the wharf and what opportunity represents and where, what's, what the reality of it is. And the closest any chain ever has come down there in the 25 years I've been involved was Outback Steakhouse looked at the Sephora building. Uh, but when they looked at the lease and the parking and all that, they went to Salinas instead. Yeah, that I, I've talked to my friends about the Sephora building because I think that is just a, it's a wonderful it's kind of a nice location but then the the parking and then the parking enforcement in that parking lot is is uh yeah it's almost uh, draconianly punitive uh the uh and what we're talking about for people listening is that just the giant parking lot in front of the fisherman's wharf and uh yeah i, I think that building could be something too i mean i know Sephora probably does decent business but back to uh, what the you know, the space that was scales on the on fisherman's wharf do you think uh, I, don't, I have no clue what the lease terms or what the city wants to rent it out for. Do you think something like a uh, like putt putt or an experience driven, you know, like putt putt golf or something like that, experience driven, or do you think a better use or someone who's more likely to pay the rent would own another food and beverage establishment, maybe even uh, more like brew puppy or what, what? What are your thoughts on what would go best there? Yeah, the business model that's built on that is uh, food and beverage, so. Um, it, so if you were going to do something like a miniature golf, you're not going to generate the kind of revenue that, that, are, that a restaurant would. So the, the lease terms would be completely different. Um, 
an example of how the city deals with things sometimes was the um, uh, the yacht club. So the yacht club's lease came due. And it seems like it was about five, six years ago now. And there were people calling for the city to to instead of giving a subsidized lease to the yacht club uh, that that they would entertain getting someone to open a restaurant down there. And this became a theme where it was turned all of wharf number two, the, the big building where they process fish at the wharf, that should be restaurants. So that people thought that any space that opened up should be a restaurant because that can pay the maximum to the spec to the city. Uh, in fact, the city made a great decision, which was to continue uh, the favorable terms for the yacht club. And one of the great things they do is teach young kids how to sail. Mm-hmm. And we yeah, need the summer like program, that. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need things like that. I'm really, I'm really glad they made that. They made that choice. The, the end of work with the, with the process, there's Monterey fish and Monterey abalone and the like is, is a different story and more complex um, because they don't have a steady, the, 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 the processors, not, not talking about Monterey Fish Company, but the processors behind, they don't have a steady enough income. It's very difficult for them um, to, to, uh, to come to terms with, with favorable uh, lease arrangements. But now when I think about uh, scales, and in fact, if you go down there now, all the signs are gone. So it's just a, it's a blank building. Um, they've, they've taken all the equipment out and that sort of thing. And it's, I don't, it's hard for me to see anybody that's going to be eager to, to go in there. Well, well, it's interesting because when you bring that up, because you think of San Francisco's Fisherman Wharf, and they've got this blend of experiences and restaurants and shops. And, and to, to a certain degree, Monterey's Fisherman Wharf, we have a lot. Of, there's a lot of shops. There's the whale watching, you know, and then there's sport fishing. There's that, you know, there's all sorts of stuff, you know, like with the gift shops and stuff. So it, it seems like some thought is put into the the variedness of the experience and, and you take the street that you're one of your other restaurants is on the whaling station and there's like the antique shop that's a great thing and then there's other restaurants along there i mean it's a little ways down or whatever but there's there, there's kind of a blend to kind of draw people into that area you know and it, who does the does the uh, wharf association get a, a kind of a say on who goes in there or how does that work no and we, we've we've worked hard to make sure the the warp association stays completely out of any any lease any any issues regarding any particular business down there because it's it's divisive. Uh, mm-hmm. What we we do is we we work the 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 budget is for promoting the wharf, uh, doing maintenance and providing security that sort of thing. So we we stay out of any. Oh, it's divisive because if you own a gift shop and someone wants to rent it for a gift shop, or you own. A seafood restaurant. Someone wants to start up another seafood restaurant. Then there, there would just be a lot of acrimony. Is that what you're? Is that what you kind of mean? Yeah, we stay clear of the wharf. So I'm on the board of the wharf board. We stay clear of, of taking any position uh, you know, to the city regarding any business of, of, of any kind. We work and work just for the general benefit of the wharf. Uh, what, what all, all that entails. And Chris Shake sits on the board uh, as well, and uh, we manage the budget and promote the wharf. And, and uh, one of the one of the great successes now that's happening real time is the big garbage compactor facility that's been on the wharf forever is now being moved finally and we've been working on that for more than 25 years the city built a big beautiful new facility in the main parking lot for recycling and, and garbage so that's all coming off the wharf and that's a big success because we never let it go we we've worked at that tirelessly until the city finally uh, is, is, is getting it done so uh, in the future we may get a, a larger more modern restroom facility we're hoping for 
and a little bit of open space when that building goes away. But the, the city, there's a lot of things that are misunderstood about Fisherman's Wharf. The biggest one is the fact that people think, well, the city owns the wharf. Well, that's not exactly true. The, the property the wharf sits on was granted to the city from the state of California. And what, it, what the terms of the grant call for is that the, the revenue generated there has to be reinvested into what's called a Tidelands Fund. So that money is being used now to build the new garbage facility and, and fund the operations of so but there's been a lot of a lot of progress uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, that that's interesting. I love picking your brain because you, you have so much institutional knowledge, Kevin, about uh, <laughs> that particular area. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, shift gears, uh, another great place because there's a nice little ecosystem around your other restaurant. Your the third restaurant that's open right now is the uh, the Beach House because you have the the little grill there for beachgoers. You know where they can grab a burger mm-hmm. or a hot dog or whatever while they're on the beach. You have the great uh, just a phenomenal um, cafe down below that's great in the mornings if you want to have a coffee and a pastry and sit outside and then of course uh, for lunch in the evening, you have the beer restaurant, the Beach House. That's uh, that's phenomenal. What what new is uh, is there anything changing down there? And how's business? And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, Lovers Point Grill that's owned by Joe Cavallaro. He's had it for I think about forty years now. Uh, we don't we don't operate that, but we operate the cafe with our, our coffee and paninis, and and that was something I felt really strongly about. We when we put that together, I didn't want to do what he does. I wanted to do something a little more current. So we do coffee, panini sandwiches, waffles acai bowls, that sort of thing. It's been very appealing to people. And also all that goes with uh, beach going as well. And it's it's been very successful in the five years it's, it's been open. The restaurant uh, has done really well. It's, again, we've maneuvered through COVID. What we're in the process of doing right now is taking our very popular sunset menu, which has been our early bird menu from 4 to 5.30 daily, and we're changing it into a locals menu. So the changes that are going to take place is we're going to open a half hour later. We're a few weeks from getting all this uh, completely going, but we're going to remove the the restrictive hours for the sunset menu. So what it'll mean is if you're a local, you walk in anytime you ask for that menu and you get it. Very much the same as our local menus at the wharf. We have no time frames with those. You come in on a Saturday night and you can order from the local's menu. Uh, anytime you ask for it, you get it. Or the bar menu at the waiting station. Again, there's no hours associated with it. But you just have to know about it and ask for it. But at, at the beach house, you'll have to be a local to order from it. It's not meant for the tourist hotel guests. It's not meant for them. It's really always been meant for locals. And that's what we see most every night is all locals, but we get this slammed at four o'clock every day. So we want to alleviate some of that and just remove those those time constraints so people can come in and ask and order from it whenever they like. That's yeah, that that is smart because that that's prime uh that would be also prime time for some of the tourists who are staying at Lovers Point Inn or Borg Hotel to or any seven gables to, to come on by. I have to ask the obligatory question have you heard anything about uh the new facility? I don't even know what it's called that's empty there was a seltzer company trying to get a liquor license. Uh, that little facility yeah. there at, uh, on Lovers Point um, that's across from the beach house. Yeah, it's posted for, it's got ABC posting in the window for uh, California Seltzer Company. Uh, that was posted in May and we've seen no activity since. So I, I haven't seen anybody there in the last couple of weeks at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know what's happening. And yeah, that's uh, when they when they first told me what they were doing there, I, I just thought it was, you know, they didn't really understand 
what the market was. But now when someone owns a property, they obviously have the right to do whatever they want. And when they divided it up into five spaces, I was very curious about that. And the, the, the woman doing the leasing is she's out of San Jose. She said that they were told that this area can't support a restaurant that size. I said, well, it was very successful for many decades. I, I think the Tenery was doing upwards of $4 million a year. Uh, and I think they closed 20 years ago. So it, it was uh, something they wanted to do, divided up into five spaces. Uh, I took a run at it, offering what I thought would have been fair rent, something around 23000 24000 a month. And they figured they're going to get 50000 a month in the aggregate from five spaces. And uh, well, you see the results. <laughs> it's yeah, that is crazy. It's a, it's a it's kind of a crime almost. It's a crime against society for what could be there. But uh, anyway, I have to I do have to give, pay you a quick compliment, like because we live nearby the beach house, as you know, and uh, I see you sometimes with my uh, when I'm driving by with my son. But I don't say hi because you have your earbuds in. But I always say to my son, I go, "That is a good leader right there," because you're always picking up trash. And I don't know if you're doing it to escape uh, the, the the duties of uh, being a manager, but it's really cool to see you out policing the. Uh, the areas around the beach house. And I assume you do it at the whaling station and others, other places as well, but it's really kind of cool to see the number one guy, uh, you know, taking that much ownership. It's, it's really kind of cool. Well, we opened in 2013 and I noticed right away that there was a lot of uh, things falling out of cars when they parked along the front of the restaurant and things like diapers and cigarette butt fast food wrappers. So it became something I started doing. And uh, so it just uniquely fits my daily schedule. So I'm always at Lover's Point first thing in the morning. And once I check in with everybody and look to the numbers and all that stuff, I go out and I, I do my little trip up and down the street. And uh, in fact, I, I my buck, my five gallon bucket was filled to the brim this morning, and I posted a photo on Facebook for my morning shift. But then I go around in the afternoon again, and yes, I do do it. At, uh, I adopted Wave Street also, and um, and it's amazing how much trash <laughs> accumulates in one day on one of these streets. It's pretty astonishing, and uh, especially with cigarette butts. I don't know how many thousands of them I picked up, but I, I do. I, I have come to the conclusion that a lot of smokers see the whole world as their ashtray. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it used to be, the good news is it used to be a lot worse because I, I spent a lot of time when I was younger picking up uh, cigarette butts at, uh, at the state parks in Colorado. And uh, it seems to have gotten better, but uh, but that where you're at, it may never get better on Fisherman's. Yeah, two, two of my favorite uh, recent uh, encounters down there. First, there was a woman that, that stopped me. And she said that her four-year-old son pestered her incessantly until she got him a bucket and a, and a grabber. And he goes around their neighborhood picking up trash now after he saw me doing it and uh, and my favorite one though is one of the regulars at the station at the uh, the beach house he pulled over when I was down there and he said I just have to ask you why you're out here doing this every day I said it's just community service he said aha you were arrested <laughs> I was not arrested uh, well you may have been but you don't have to disclose that when it was 21 <laughs> it was you were you know you were less forgetting. no I'm kidding I'm kidding Kevin Phillips <laughs> was never uh, I, well you're forgetting about the locals menu I, I you know I can't let a radio program go by where I don't talk about the steak at the whaling station bar. So then that's not on the locals menu either. That's just on the menu, right? Yeah, it's called, we call it the bar menu and uh, incredible. Uh, when I was here with John Pisto in 1997 after the renovation, it was his idea to come up and we had two items. We had a blackened salmon that came with a wedge of salad, a wedge of iceberg and Roquefort and the steak sandwich. And we had two items and that was uh, 24 years ago. And now it's become this whole menu uh, on itself. And we've added to it. We have this unbelievable prime rib Reuben sandwich 
Beach that if you haven't seen it, it's absolutely out of this world. That was in my head for several years because I used to get them at the little pub in Carmel called the Bully Tree back in the in the 80s. They had a primer bourbon. And this one is sensational. We spent a couple of weeks on all the elements, the way we put it together, so just the way we wanted it. Describe that because it is it prime rib? I'm going to guess mm-hmm. prime rib, corned beef and sauerkraut or what? what how go with it? Tell There's me. no corned beef. It's just it's a big pile of shaved prime rib, uh-huh. uh, Swiss cheese sauerkraut, Russian dressing, um, grilled uh, um, rye bread, marble rye. I'm sold. I'm sold. And i tell you what, it, it's, you know, we shave the prime rib for the, for the for also for the French dip. And we also do an open-faced uh, uh, prime rib uh, barbecue beef sandwich. They slice it so thin, mm. it only has one side. <laughs> yeah, it literally melts. It, 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 it defies the laws mouth. of physics, people. <laughs> <laughs> it literally melts in your mouth, this prime rib, these sandwiches. And I, I'll tell you, that first bite of that Reuben, I you guarantee you never had anything like it. Oh, yeah. That That is, geez, that, that does sound phenomenal. Um, anything you want to, uh, now you want to make us hungry by describing the Abilinetti uh, menu or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about calamari. You know, we serve it, gosh, more than 20 different ways. And because because the, the restaurant's been under renovation, our executive chef who oversees both restaurants has poured all of his energy and focus into Abilinetti. And I can tell you, quality production of the food is the best I've ever seen it at a time when we're doing volume that we've never seen. With only 16 tables we beat all of 2019 numbers because the business was absolutely incessant and just from from opening to close every day and you've done a phenomenal job how many tables do you have inside and outside at Abilene by the way we're now we're now partially back we didn't we didn't go all the way we could have opened all the way back to our full seating we haven't done that we have our 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 so some private room in the back, we, we haven't opened that. We're still missing tables from the from the main dining room because we reached a level of volume. And I told the staff down there, we don't need more volume. We're doing a good job. We need to do good numbers every day. So we're not going to stretch beyond what we can do really well. So uh, we have uh, we have uh, uh, 13 tables outside and 10 tables inside. Oh, that's still, great. We're still missing about about a, about a quarter of our, our original okay. seats. That's great. And events, you've, you've probably seen an uptick in events, I'm sure, like uh, wedding receptions and, and those kind of things? It's been explosive. Uh, my wife, Julie, does an amazing job handling our group business, and it's been explosive at the beach house and the waiting station where we went months. We went uh, a little over a year. We haven't, hadn't done any, and now it's uh, she's flooded with inquiries and bookings, and uh, people are anxious to do these functions and spend a lot of money making up for missed events last year. Uh, our first event back at the station was a surprise birthday party for a woman's 50th, and uh, that they own a a trucking company out of Modesto and they spent a lot of money on it with there's 38 people and they had a ball it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. well I I'm excited for the uh, whatever the ribbon cutting at the Rockfish Grill am I getting that right the Rockfish Grill at the end of the Christmas Rockfish event? Harbor Grill Rockfish Harbor and uh, one, another thing about Rockfish Harbor Grill it's going to have an amazing uh, group space that'll seat about up to about 80 waterfront seating mm-hmm. uh, all remodeled all new furniture and uh, we're going to kick that off uh, once we get open but I think it's going to be very appealing to people. Yeah, the rockfish. Rockfish is some of the best tasting fish out of Monterey Bay. I mean, there's so many, but it, it's just delicious. My neighbor catches it. Well, it's great because, it, not, yeah, not only that, but it's a sustainable fish that's available year round. We use we use it more ways than anybody, including our fish and chips. It makes yeah. a beautiful fish and chips, and it's also really versatile. Uh, can cook it almost any way you can think of. We put it in our chipino, we blacken it, we, uh, we make sandwiches with it, and uh, it's fun. It's going to be a big part of that, that <laughs> restaurant. I've, uh, I crushed townhouse crackers or uh, Ritz or something and just, <laughs> and baked it. 
and it was good. That's that's how versatile that's oh, yeah. cooking skills right there. And it was uh, delicious. What? Okay, I want to ask you one last question before we go, Kevin. And because uh, you you have two restaurants, or you will soon have uh, two open restaurants on Fisherman's Wharf. If you could pick anything or anyone as your your new neighbor, where Scales is going to be, and you can't pick Scales, you can't pick the Shakes uh, coming back. That that's off the table because that would be that would be nice, but uh, that, that's not a, an option. I'm leaving you. So hypothetically, who would you who would you pick? Uh, as your new neighbor, what kind of business and what kind of theme would you think would, would be phenomenal? I'd like to see a maritime museum. Um, I don't think it, it doesn't sound sexy for generating a lot of revenue, but uh, I'm for any non-food uh, use. Uh, it's one of the things that's, that's crippling uh, Alvarado is the oversaturation of food choices. And uh, it's overbuilt on the wharf too. So maybe, maybe something like that would work. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of What's the Plan? You can listen to all of our episodes going back to the very first one at whatstheplanmonterey.com. I'd like to thank my guest, Mr. Kevin Phillips, always brings it. Uh, great guest. Um, you can find out more about his restaurants at thewhalingstation.com, abalonetti.com, and thebeachhousepg.com. Thank you so much, Kevin. Really appreciate it. I'm Paul Wyan, owner of Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County. At Express, we can find great employees for your business. So if you're having trouble finding talented staff, please give us a call today, 831-920-1230. Again, that's 831-920-1230. We do a great job and uh, help you focus on what's important and that's running your business. Of course, I'd like to thank Mr. Mark Carbonaro. He's the greatest producer in the business. And I'd also like to thank Mr. David Mark. Marzetti, the host of the Saturday morning Shagbag radio show at 9 a.m. right here on 1460 a.m. and 101.1 FM. Without David, this program would not have been possible. Thank you, David. And of course, you will want to stay tuned because up next is Edward King, and he'll be delivering some business sense on Business Sense Radio. Stay tuned. No, I'm gonna change that tune when I'm back on top, back on top in June. Get their kicks stomping on a dream.